You can fly. Just visualize. It's time to wonder, create, re-energize, reinvent yourselves. We're listening to celebrities from all walks of life, all professions, all entrepreneurs, all business owners. We're here today and every week tapping what they do, how they do it, what makes them special. And we're trying to take all their great ideas outside of our industries and see how we can apply them to ours. It's about you and me. It's about inspiration, dedication, passion. That's what makes us great. So let's get started. Hey, great big world. This is Carl K., your visibility strategist, coach, consultant, number one best-selling author, coming live to you today from Z Surf Media with my 18th podcast in the year 2020. I've helped thousands of businesses and individuals create visibility strategies, marketing plans, and assisted them into celebrity statuses. This one's for you and your business. Hey, I am just so excited today. We have a very, very special guest out of Washington, D.C. She is the current advisory board member and pre, uh, previous president at the District of Columbia Academy of Veterinary Medicine. She has attended the Ohio State University. She has her own practice, AccuVets for Pets, and she's an associate veterinarian at Nova Cat Clinic. She's gone to the Chi Institute, which is the Chi Institute of Acupuncture. That is correct. She's a veterinarian with a practice of acupuncture, and she has the number one best-selling book, Needles in a Haystack, The Unexpected cure. So please help me welcome Dr. Erica R. Barron. there, Erica? Yep. Okay. Hey, everybody. This is Carl Kay with Surf, uh, Z Surf Media. And today we have a very, very special guest, Dr. Erica Hart Barron. And she is a current advisory board member and previous president in 2017-2018 at the District of Columbia Academy of Veterinary Medicine. She attended the Ohio State University District Columbia Academy of Veterinary Medicine in Washington, D.C. Is that correct? Um, I, I think you meant to say that I was the president of the Academy of Veterinarians in D.C. and then I attended vet school at Ohio State. Okay. Thank you very much. See that? No problem. <laughs> okay. Uh, you... Let's see, you're a owner and practitioner of AccuVet, mm -hmm. correct? And you're also in the, in the past, prior past, were a associate veterinary, veterinarian of NovaCat Clinic. That's, that's still current, but yeah, I'm an associate over at NovaCat Clinic. Okay, and your education is, of course, Ohio State University, 2000 through 2004, 
and you attended the uh, Chai Institute. In, uh, the Chi from, Institute. Mm -hmm. From 2011, 2012. And you have uh, accomplished certifications. Uh, you're a certified veterinary acupuncturist also, mm -hmm. correct? Yeah. And, and I also like to give a plug at the beginning of the podcast, not the end, because I've realized that on average with any podcast, 85% of all podcast listeners don't finish to the end. So I'd rather let everybody know who you are and what you do at the very, very beginning before we start. So you can always uh, visit Dr. Erica at her website, acupuncturefor-pets.org. And she does have a email if you need to get a hold of her, of Erica Barron at Gmail or Eric, uh, Dr. Erica Yes. It's it's actually the first one you said isn't me. So it's it's just Dr. Erica R. Barron at gmail.com. Okay. Thank you very so much. So it's D-R-E-R-I-C-A-R-B-A-R-R-O-N at gmail.com. It's a lot of R's. Thank you very much. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now tell me, uh you you just came out with a brand new book, Needles in a Haystack and Unexpected Cure. Could you tell me a little bit about that before I even get into anything else? <laughs> Sure. So that was, that was a labor of, of, I'll say it's a labor of love. Yeah. Um, and it's, it just follows kind of how I found myself in the veterinary acupuncture, which you wouldn't, you know, if I look back on my life, I wouldn't necessarily think like, yes, I want to grow up and be a veterinary acupuncturist. I don't think most people think that um, at any age, but I, it's sort of a kind of my, my path through vet school and finding my voice and then uh, my patients along the way that have taught me so much and, and just to highlight different things acupuncture can do because if you know about traditional Chinese medicine none of the stories in my book are surprising but most of us don't know a lot about traditional Chinese medicine so it is surprising that you can potentially stop a seizure with one needle and the pet just kind of walks away or it is surprising that if you are given a very poor prognosis for a pet that it might still be here in three years, running around doing great. You just have to know what to do. What uh, What are some of the things that your your family, the feedback you got from your family, your parents, or any of your siblings, or at that time when you told them you're going to be a veterinarian and especially specialize in uh, acupuncture? Well, so none of my family was expected that I became a veterinarian because I've been saying I wanted to be a cat doctor since I could talk. So that wasn't surprising at all. That was sort of expected because I'm just very like, this is what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it. And that's that. That's sort of my personality. Um, and like a lot of other veterinarians, I feel like I was born to be a veterinarian. Many of us decide this at a young age and that's what we always wanted to do. And that's what we do. So um, I know you, that. Oh, go, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish. I know that my, um, one of the things that I, one of the reasons I feel when I, I first joined Nova Cat Clinic and I felt very comfortable with the owner is he was just like, yeah, it was like, it's not that it was a spiritual calling for me, but I just knew I was supposed to do that. And I was like, yep, me too. What so, kind of, uh, do you have animals at home yourself? Yeah. So right now we, we just have two cats. Um, I say just because that's mm. that's all we can really fit in our apartment. Right. Um, in the past, we also had a, a turtle whose name was Magellan because he liked to explore. 
Okay. Uh, in your in your book, Needles in a Haystack, what have you found to be uh, one of your most interesting, exciting stories? Um, hmm. I guess my most interesting, exciting story, I still think for me, the most exciting thing I did because it was kind of like, bam, and I'm done. Like kind of drop the mic, but you drop the needle right, but you make sure it lands in a sharps container, not just on the floor. So that wouldn't be good. Uh, I still think it's uh, the story I wrote about this little Italian greyhound named Nelson, and I stopped his seizure with one needle. Um, so to me, that's the most uh, rewarding, surprising story in terms of just like in the short term. But I, I think my long-term story would be about Buddy, who was a older lab, who was given a very poor prognosis, and we all thought he was going to make it a month, and he lasted over a year and a half. Now, you told me, uh, I know a little bit about you, of course. And there was a story about a cat, I do believe, that came into your clinic and the cat was already pronounced dead at the time. And through yeah. acupuncture, you revived him? Yeah, so part of our CPR protocol, I started needling him um, and we brought him back. I mean, he had no heartbeat when he walked in the door. He was very, very cold. It was a little kitten that wasn't doing well. and. He, he basically, you know, arrived DOA. He was, but we brought him back. We got his heart going. You know, by the time we transferred him over to the ER, he was, um, he was trying to stand up uh, and, and we were warm. I was needling him and I also used something called moxibustion, which is a Chinese herb. It kind of looks like a cigar and you light it and it helps kind of warm up the body and it kind of moves stagnation. Is there a certain procedure that you use for that that you learned or did you develop that through experience of uh, working on animals? Yeah, so, the, so there's a, a couple things. Um, so part of part of practice, regardless of what type of practice you practice is all about what you learned, but also applying it to what you see. So what I learned was all from my training, but you know, you tweak things here and there based on what's in front of you and because there's no perfect practice ever, but um, that's part of any type of medicine or any type of phys physical therapy or whatever. Like there's protocols and then you learn them and, and you can tweak them. Now, does acupuncture for, for pets, is it similar to what they do for humans? It's similar. So originally when acupuncture was developed, it was developed on people and then it was transferred to horses. Because if you think about what was important in ancient China, it was horses, it wasn't dogs and cats. And then they took the points from the horses and they moved it over to cows and pigs and food animal. Cause again, that was more important in ancient China than dogs and cats. And then in the last 70 to hundred years, it came over to cats and dogs. Okay. Uh, when you, when you, uh, I understand that you're a mobile vet, obviously, and you go doing actually personal calls into, uh, pet owners homes. Could you tell me a little bit about that, the procedures, uh, what a pet owner would experience with you coming into their home? 
Sure. So right now, because of COVID, it's a little different because I want to make sure everyone feels as comfortable as possible and, and we're all meeting each other's needs. So it sort of depends. You know, I have one client who right now I just meet her dog on the porch, um, on a screen and porch and, and the dog relaxes and I acupuncture her and I also use a cold laser to help um, stimulate muscle and nerve growth and reduce pain that way. Um, usually the first visit is a lot of talking. So I wanna know all about the pet. I wanna know what the personality is like. I wanna know, um, you know if, if he or she likes to sit in the center of the shade, do they dream? What kind of personalities thrive with this? Has it changed? Are there any senior changes? Um, you know, what's the situation in the house? Or are there, is there slipping when they walk? Can we do things to change the environment? Are there different products we can use to help with that, whether it's toe grips or putting down yoga mats or um, wearing booties? And sometimes it's just like just me seeing where the pet is. I can make comments that really help, you know, just raising the bowls or making sure there's extra padding here. Or if they really are cold, if they're cool seeking, we could try something like a cool mat. So once we kind of get through all that history and, and go through what the owner's major concerns are, then I'll do an Eastern exam, which is different than a Western exam. You know, in ancient China, they didn't have a stethoscope. They didn't have blood work. They didn't have any of those things. I'm not saying they're not important. I do, but I think you have to do it in concert. So then I'll do the Eastern exam where I pay a lot more attention to the pulse, the tongue, and what the body's telling me on palpation. And then we do a treatment and some pets lay down and go to sleep. Some pets run around the whole time and they never sit still. And the goal is, you know, to make sure I can find all the needles before I leave. Cause I prefer someone not to step on them, which is uh, part of the reason I use colored sure. ones. You mentioned yeah. COVID-19, obviously we're in the midst of that right now. In your book, you mentioned a couple of things I do believe uh, about immunity and how acupuncture actually helps that. So could you explain that a little bit more? Sure. So acupuncture helps not only stimulate the nervous system, but it helps stimulate the lymphatic system. And it also helps stimulate this idea of chi. And chi is energy or your life force. And if there's not enough chi in your body, you can't fight things off. So for example, defensive chi, which you can think of as like your armor for your body, if it's not built up all the way, you're not gonna be able to fight things off. So acupuncture is one of those things that can really help. One of the things I mentioned in the book was when I was pregnant with my son, my um, daughter and my husband both got the flu and I hadn't gotten the flu vaccine yet. And my acupuncturist was like, you are not getting the flu. And I was like, okay. And she went to town on me and I mean, I felt really drained after I, yeah. that session, but I didn't get the flu. She didn't let me. So there's a lot of things for different people and pets who are immune compromised and things like that, that we can do in order to help enhance their immunity. Can you self-induce acupuncture on yourself? So are you asking if you can put a needle in yourself? Or no, are you I'm asking, asking if, you, I'm asking if you do as an expert can do it to yourself. I can't, there's no way I, I could even try. I usually, I don't usually, um, just because there's something about watching a needle going into your own body. I, I can't really do that to myself. Um, but 
I have like once in a while, like if my husband is like really, really ill, I'm like, well, I know this point's really good. So we could try this before you go to the doctor or the acupuncturist, but I'm only, um, I'm only licensed in vets. So I try not to dabble with people because don't take it the wrong way, but I think people are a little gross. That's why sure. I do pets. Part of the reason. Uh, is there a certain age that a pet cannot use acupuncture? No, no. I mean, the only the only things I would say acupuncture isn't going to help with um, would be if you used electroacupuncture, and they you shouldn't use electroacupuncture with pets that are or people that are pregnant or if they have seizures. So that would be contraindicated. Um, if they have tumors, you're not supposed to put it in the tumor or around the tumor. You're supposed to put it in other places. Uh, in terms of if the, if are you referring to like are you aging out of it or are you too young or too young? I'm I'm preferably thinking about it being too young to actually use it on a pet. No, I mean the the kitten I acupuncture today. I think I think Nessie's like 16 weeks old. Mm -hmm. So I acupunctured her to help reduce her fever. So I, I don't think it's that you're too young. I mean, the kitten we, we saved was maybe a month old. So. so you can actually use acupuncture for fevers? Yeah, so it's really good at clearing heat if there's too much heat. Mm -hmm. Okay, wow, that's very interesting. Uh, why is it that I've had many animals in the past, everything from cats and dogs and chickens and horses and things like that. And anytime one of my animals ever got sick or anything and, and I had to take them to a vet or a vet came to my house if it was a, a horse at the time, nobody, they never mentioned acupuncture as a cure for it. Why is that? Well, I think it's twofold. Like the first part of it is acupuncture's really only been in America since the 50s when Nixon brought it over. Because what happened was is one of Nixon's aides was very ill and they were over in China and they cured them when the Western doctors couldn't. So then Nixon and his staff brought over some acupuncturists and they started teaching people um, different forms of acupuncture to try to make it more mainstay. So it hasn't even been over here for hundred years yet. So I think that's part of it. And then the second part of it is just, it's not, it, it really wasn't taught in vet schools until recently. And it's not truly taught in most vet schools. You just kind of get a like, Hey, this exists a little bit. And it's primarily thought to mostly be for pain, right? It's not thought to be for all the other things it can do. Like it's, it's really, it would be great. And like, I know Dr. Ko does this. He was doing it at Louisiana, but I guess he just left and went to UC Davis today. But he has a very integrative approach to the hospital and every pet who comes in on emergency that has a back surgery or if they're there for pancreatitis or whatever it is, they have the option to have uh, integrative consult so he can try to make these pets feel better faster by using both approaches. So I think that's primarily why it's just, it wasn't as well known because it wasn't as well known in the human world either. I mean, I know most humans, when you think about acupuncture, you think, oh, I think it's for pain and fertility. Like, I think that's what most people think about. They don't think it's like, oh, it's really good for migraines. It's good for sinusitis. It's really good at helping immunity. Um, everybody would benefit from it during cold season or the flu season or now. Um, and I think it would be 
really helpful, especially for people who are going through hormonal issues. It's really great for that. But most people don't know that. Are you, uh, as past president, uh, have you been uh, on any type of awareness program for your associates out there touting acupuncture? I know you're, we've, we've talked in the past and you've been, you know, you have some products and some, some uh, suggestions and programs that are coming out in the fall in regards to helping vets maybe develop their programs a little bit more, their practices a little bit more. What are some of your thoughts about that? What are some of your like ideas that you're trying to get across to them? So I think part of it is I, I don't want people to be stuck and feel like they're miserable in what they're doing because you don't have people, people start building walls and they think they don't have options. And there's two parts of this. There's op different options to treat your patients. So whether you want to do it or not, you could probably find someone in your area. If you're not interested in, in treating them with integrative medicine, you can find other options for your patients if you want. So that's part of it. But the other part of it is maybe you're interested in it and maybe you're interested in trying something different and seeing if you like it and seeing if you can learn something new. And that would you know, be... For me, it was um, very, not only is using acupuncture very rewarding for me to treat my patients in a different manner that's softer on their system and they get great results from it, but it's also, it's given me a lot of freedom. I can make my schedule. I'm in charge of my life in those days. I, if a client really gets under my skin, and unfortunately a lot of clients in veterinary medicine get under our skin, you know, I'm, I'm in charge of me and I don't have to worry about, you know, if, if I say, you know, I'm, I don't think I'm the right person for you, you can find someone else, you know, they could do what they want. They could rip me open on social media. They could rip me on the internet, but at the end of the day, I decided to say no. So it's, it, you know, the buck stops with me, which a lot of people, they don't feel like they're in charge anymore of what they do. So for me, that really helps. I remember the first year I opened, I started working for myself um, in my clinic and uh, I was able to go to my daughter's Halloween parade. I never like would take off in the middle of the day at the clinic to go to a Halloween parade. It was really cute and I'm really glad yeah. I was able to go. Yeah. What uh, if you had a vet that gave you a call and said, hey, Erica, I want to do what you're doing. What would be the best advice you'd give them? Meaning that they've struggled in their career. They've had these ups and downs with their practice and knowing that you've shifted your practice, that you're actually a mobile veterinarian, primarily with acupuncture as a primary uh, uh, so source that you're offering. What, what suggestions would you, would you give them? So the first thing I would say is, what do you want out of life? Like, what, what do you want to do? Because it's not that it's hard to do what I'm doing. I'm not saying it's hard. If I can do it, I can help anybody do it. But I don't want you to go down a road and then like a couple of years later be like, eh, I don't really like this. So first, if you're not, if, if you're interested in acupuncture at all, 
you need to figure out if you like it because it's a lot of work to get certified. It's, it's not easy. It's not one of the easy certifications. It took me about a year and a half. And then I would say it took me, including that year and a half, it probably took me three to five years to really feel like I was even decent at it because it's, it's, it's what I said before. It's practice. You have to keep practicing. You have to practice your skill and practice your trade. But if you practice and you have reasonable people you're around, it's very rewarding and wonderful. I would not recommend what I'm doing to people who don't like working with clients because it's a totally different thing. You know, when you're sitting on the floor with a dog who you've been seeing for a year and a half and they're in hospice, if you don't have, if you don't have the skills to understand what the client's going through and be there for them, then it's not for you. It's, it's a lot more high touch clients because those are the ones who are looking for acupuncture for their pets, you know? So I, I would say figure out what you want to do and figure out if you like acupuncture and figure out if you feel like you can devote yourself to it before you decide to, you know, trans, transfer over to it. But I'd, I'd be happy to talk to anybody about that, help you figure out things. I know a really great place to start to see if you have the skills would be to think about doing a personality sorter, whether it's the disc profile or the Myers-Briggs and see if you, if you enjoy being one-on-one -on -one with people. If, if you, you know, if you're a feeler, if, if, if you can sit there and, and really take in all they're saying, because these aren't usually some of them. Yeah. After you know each other and it's kind of just, you know, they need a tune up or something. It can be a 20 minute, quick appointment where you talk about the weather or you talk about how since there's no baseball right now, the Nats are still number one, which is pretty fun. <laughs> but, you know, some of these, some of these conversations yeah. get pretty deep and it, and it can be hard and, and you're there for them. And these are long-term relationships you're making with clients. It's not just like the dog that comes in twice a year for vaccines and you know, nail trims and, you know, they get older and, and you're sad. These are, these are people you're seeing weekly or every other week. There, there's a client I saw every week for four years, except for when I was um, on bed rest, you know, so it's, it's a lot of, I'm not trying to downplay what I'm doing, but it is a big commitment. Right. And if you do it the right way, it should be, but it doesn't feel that way. Well, I know you're open to uh, consultations with other veterinarians across the country and you're willing to help them. And in fact, I know you've helped them in the past. Uh, in, in the urban city that you're at, Washington, Washington DC, uh, how are things different now than what they were last year at this time? Um, well, <laughs> they're different in many ways. And, and what would you suggest to somebody that's a vet in another urban city uh, that's going through this, that you have all these changes which are very uncomfortable to us all. So I, I think the first thing you need to do is you need to figure out what you need from the situation, what makes you comfortable. You know, there's all this discussion of, should you be wearing a mask? Like can dogs get COVID? Can cats get COVID? Can they give it to you? What was the likelihood of it being transmitted on a leash? You know, if you go into somebody's house who has COVID, 
what should you do after you leave? Those types of things. So I think first you need to figure out what makes you okay and what makes you feel comfortable. There are some of my clients that I've gotten in the last couple months. I honestly don't know what they look like because we're all wearing masks all the time. I don't know. Um, so I, I think the main thing is that you need to figure out what makes you comfortable and then you need to figure out how to make sure your clients feel comfortable. And if it's something, you know, there's a lot of options. Like it's summer now, it is getting very hot out. So acupuncturing somebody outside when it's 90 degrees is not fun, but it's usually only about 30 minutes. So you can kind of just drink some cold water and then do it and then drink some more. There's lots of options or stand in the shade. I have one client who plugged a fan in for me on her porch last week. It was very nice. <laughs> so I just want, you know, you just need to figure out what you feel comfortable with and then also make sure your clients feel comfortable. There's a lot of things you can do to help everybody. I know that you, uh, you, you develop a practice also beside having a mobile practice and actually a physical practice that you, you developed uh, over time a virtual or you're de developing a practice uh, throughout this year, especially with COVID, or that you uh, you've created you're creating a virtual practice. Also, I've seen in the past medical doctors. There's some medical doctors out there that are now starting to develop a vertical practice. So if somebody say say somebody else in another part of the country wanted to consult with you as a you know, practitioner for their pet virtually. Is that something that would be possible for you to do? So, so it depends on the laws of their state and my state, and I could make recommendations, but I probably wouldn't be allowed to prescribe things. Um, you know, one of the things we were at the cat clinic, we were talking about ways we could use some of the virtual platforms and the, um, the person who was, training us asked me if I could acupuncture pets virtually. I said, so I kind of need to stick a needle in the dog. Right. So that doesn't really work. But, you know, we could talk about things if, if there's questions and, and potentially different herbs or, you know, if, if there's different, um, one of the, you know, if, if a pet is going somewhere else and they have lab work done, I'm happy to look at it and make recommendations about different, um, different supplements or different vitamin levels and things like that. So those, those are ways, you know, everybody's trying to get creative right now. So uh, for you to do a consulting virtually, it would be, it would basically all depend on the state that that person is in. Part is that of what it. you tell mm -hmm. me if, if you're not actually physically examining a patient? Would that be correct? I mean, if you're not conducting acupuncture, but you, you virtually, if you were virtually talking to a, a pet, pet owner and they were describing the, the, the problems and you're like over the screen, you're looking at the animal and things like that, is that something you can do? Probably. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So, uh, and, and is that something you could do without being in that state that they're in? Yes, you can. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. You just can't prescribe things. I understand. So if that is the case, how would somebody be able to get a hold of you uh, in regards to consulting? There's a lot of people that are out there that that don't feel comfortable with with going to a vet, or they don't. They're in an area that 
they don't know the vet and and so they want to reach out to somebody and so how could they reach out to you so i i think the best way would be just to email me and that's dr erica r baron at gmail.com or you could go through my website my website is acuvet for pets.com so that's a c u v e t f o r p e t s.com and then you could fill out the information it it sends some information back to you so you know we could try to do that um i think those would be the best ways can we find you on Facebook or Instagram? Yeah, you could you could go on Facebook and Instagram too. I just I tend to be the most responsive to email. Okay. Okay. And of course you're on LinkedIn then too. I've mm-hmm. seen a picture of you on LinkedIn too, so that's good. Uh, what are you doing this past week uh, at your practice? Are you you are you doing more mobile or are you doing more in in house or what what's what's developing out there right now? So I'm I'm still at the cat clinic three days a week. So like today was my surgery day, so we did surgery, and then um, two days a week I'm still mobile, and I go to people's homes. So I was mobile. Um, I'm switching my schedule back because we're putting my son back in school, so I can work Monday through Fridays again and see my right. husband. It'll be great. <laughs> I'm starting to forget what he looks like. Yes, yes. Um, so we are going, um, so I'm going to be in DC on Thursdays and Virginia on Fridays again. And this past week I, you know, I had a couple new clients. I always love meeting new people. It's always fun to see what we can do to help the pet. And I, um, I saw some old friends that I've been seeing for a while. Uh, one of them is, um, he's a guide dog. Well, he's a retired guide dog. He doesn't guide anymore but he likes to pretend that he knows a little bit there's a younger dog in the house um who is kind of like you know the the teenager running around wanting more attention and then the other one's kind of like the grumpier old guy like yeah i got this just sit down there young fella so they're always fun there's some they're yellow labs what what are what's your vision uh for your next, for the next five years in your life, what's your vision for the rest of your life? In fact, um, where do you want to go so, with your practice and what you're doing in your life? So, what I'd like to do is, I I love being at the cat clinic. I love being part of a really efficient team, a caring team where the pets really do come first. I can tell you that every person in this building cares sometimes more about the pet than the owner because we just want them to all do the best they can. Um, and so I love being part of that energy and that teamwork. It's always, it's always fun to be part of a work family, you know? And then in terms of AccuVet, I just want to keep helping the pets, um, trying to make them feel as good as I can for as long as I can and help other people do that too, um, to give them some, um, some not necessarily discipline but to help give them the same feeling that at the end of the day when you put your head on the pillow you know you helped people you know you gave it your all and you know that everybody's safe and comfortable at night so i i'd love to help other people do that i'd love to you know, help teach them the systems to do it, to help teach them how to communicate effectively with clients. I'd love to help 
different clients understand different ways to take care of their pets in a way that helps them. Like, you know, you can't, if you're working 18 hours a day or 14 hours a day, you're not home enough to have a diabetic pet unless you hire someone to help you. Or if your dog can't walk very well, maybe instead of having the dog walker walk the dog, maybe if you're not there as much, the dog walker can just sit and play with the dog for 20 minutes. Like there's, there's lots of different ways to take care of everybody because everybody's an individual. You just have to work with the client to help figure out what that is. I know you're a, a public speaker at conferences and things like that. I understand this past week you did a Facebook uh, get together with mm -hmm. a certain it was a company. webinar. Mm -hmm. Sure. Could you uh, ex uh, tell me a little bit about that and tell me about anything that you have in the near future that people that are watching this or hearing this can go and check you out or they want to invite you to be a speaker in any of their conferences or whatever's out there? Sure. So last week I talked, um, I did a webinar on Facebook with Face Paws and we talked about what acupuncture does for cats. And it was quite fun and, and we answered some great questions about different reasons we would want to use acupuncture in cats and also what an acupuncture needle looks like and, and how cats respond to acupuncture. Hopefully we'll do some more with them in the future because they are trying to find more information about how cat DNA can give us more information about what types of diseases that cat will get. And then we could potentially figure out what type of acupuncture we should focus on with that information as well. Um, I should be on the veterinary viewfinder podcast soon, which is about different views in veterinary medicine. And um, I am supposed to be, I, I don't know the name of the global summit in um, the fall that is for, uh, and is for veterinarians. It's a type of summit about um, different career opportunities for burnout and things like that. And I'm happy to talk to whatever group and help in any way about acupuncture and not only different ways it could help, but if, if people are interested in business or if they're interested in different um, ways to control your own life. I'm happy to help with that too. Okay. Uh, will you be posting this information on say Facebook or Instagram or your website in the future? So if somebody needs to look at that, they could go back and see that. Sure. Sure. I'd be happy to. Okay. Uh, one last thing before we close this, well, two, la two more, two more things, but one thing that I I've, you know, in any profession, there's a lot of, stress there's a lot of you know business isn't the easiest thing to do you know especially now uh, like in the dental profession for example they they that is a very stressful pro, uh, profession and in fact there's a very high suicide rate in that what about your profession itself uh, is this a highly stressful profession that you're facing and if I'm a pet owner what are some things that you know we we all get into this high demand that we we have these our pets we want to take care of them as much as we can and and what do we need to do as a pet owner to make your job easier okay 
because I know it has to be stressful. I know my dentist tells me all the time, he said, you know, don't come here and give me more stress. I have enough stress. So give me some advice. Give our listeners some advice on what we need to do to help you. Yeah, so um, unfortunately, veterinarians have surpassed the dental suicide rate now. So we're higher. Um, and we're not sure all the reasons for that, but we're our, our profession's been studying that and trying to figure out how to help with burnout. And a lot of people say it's compassion fatigue and, you know, it's a stressful job. And, and, and the other thing is not to say it like this, but, you know, part of our job is to learn how to euthanize pets. So when we do decide we want to do that, we're efficient at it. You know, unfortunately, we know what we're doing with that regard. So part of me finding, you know, how to fill up my emotional bucket was doing acupuncture. And that's helped me a lot, which is why I think it's important for all veterinarians to figure out what it is they like most about practice and focus on it. Because if you're being yelled at because someone doesn't like how much something's going to cost, and then that person, you know that the finances aren't about you, but then the client tells you that you don't care about their pet. You just care about money. And I guess you should just kill my pet then. You, you mean, know? you mean you charge something for your service? Is that I know. what you do? I know. <laughs> That's terrible. We have, to pay, we have to pay our student loans, <laughs> yeah. which are ridiculous. Or, you know, maybe yes, we yes. just eat, like maybe people want to eat sure. or like people want to um, pay for where they live. You know, you can't just live in the clinic. That won't be good. And sure. I, it, that can't be good. Like that can't be legal either. I'm assuming there's something illegal about someone living in a clinic, sure, but, sure. uh, you know, one of the things is just to think about the things you say and how you say them. Like yesterday, I had a client on the phone with me and I was like, okay, so we're going to get blood and urine. And she goes, good luck. I don't know if you can do that. And then she goes, well, I guess you are a professional, so you should be able to do oh that. Oh my gosh. Oh like, my gosh. Where did that come that from? That is terrible. <laughs> Like and, and you're and I at least live in an area that you know we're we're near DC. We are. I'm not saying we're recession proof, but we have a lot of people here who have a lot of ways that they pay for things, and and they're protected from you know things like COVID and stuff like that. So you know, a lot of times for me, I don't have to deal with the money issues at a clinic I was before. I would say maybe if I saw 40 patients a day, maybe three of them did the treatment plan I recommended out of three out of like 40. So not only is it that you're, you're presenting estimates to try to fix something, to try to help this pet, but you're constantly being told, no, you can't fix it. I can't do that. And it's just, it's, it's, you know, it's hard. That's really hard. That's a hard part of the profession. So I understand that dentists have it hard too. Um, I think one of the things you can do is just consider the words you say when you're talking to a veterinarian. Also come a lot earlier than you think you need to. Like if your dog's been vomiting for a month, maybe take him after a week. It might be cheaper. I don't know. It depends. Maybe after a week, the dog isn't also anemic and you know, has to go on fluids and all those things. Maybe if he ate something he wasn't supposed to and it's in his stomach and it's only been there a couple days versus a couple months, he'll do better. He won't have to be in the hospital as long. Um, preventative medicine is worth it. I know a lot of people think it's, it's people just trying to get money. Um, it's not. 
it's, it really will save you money. Yeah, right. And also, if you're a pet owner and you don't already have pet insurance, you should consider it because all of those big expenses, um, like if the dog ate a sock and has to have emergency surgery, most of the time that would be covered. It's the, you know, the wellness stuff that usually isn't covered, but the major stuff usually is covered. So I think that's important for pet owners to think about as well, because it helps sometimes to, you know, have a 20% copay versus paying the whole thing. Is that, that's something that you offer or you suggest to people, your clients? And, and if somebody was interested in that, would they go to you for that or what? How yeah, you go could by? go to your vet. You could ask them which ones they recommend. Um, the I know Nationwide has one. Um, I know, see, which one did I have? I had Pet Plan for my cat. And then um, the other big one is Trupanion. There's a lot of them. You could, okay. and there's one through the ASPCA also. There's a lot of different ones. You have to look at the plans and decide which one makes the most sense for you. But most of those cover acupuncture. So I have a lot of, I would say I have five clients who pay for acupuncture because they have pet insurance. That's a good and thing. It's covered. Yeah. Uh, in closing, uh, give me some words of wisdom. Well, breathing is good. <laughs> when you think it's going to be okay. hard, it's always good to take a breath and just take a moment and take a pause. Okay. Okay. Um, that's what I would do. And it's also really good for your chi to just take a minute and pause before you do anything. It's, um, it's important to always take a breath. Uh, the other thing I would say is I know acupuncture sounds a little crazy to people who don't know a lot about it, but there's a lot of things in the world that are crazy that work. And if something's been around for 3000 years, it's worth finding out if it helps. And if it helps, for those that helps, it really helps and it's worth it. Perfect. So your book, Needles in a Haystack, an Unexpected Cure, how do we, how does somebody, how does, uh, how does our listeners find the book? Where do they go to? So you could go on Amazon. I think that's the best place to go. Um, it's also mentioned a couple times on my Instagram and my Facebook account. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Dr. Erica and it was very valuable. So I greatly appreciate you taking the time to, uh, for all of our listeners to, you know, hear your words of wisdom today. Well, thanks for having me, Carl. It's been fun. I appreciate oh, it. Thank you very much. And there you have it, another segment of You Can Fly, Just Visualize. And remember, I'll give you two hints right now on how to make your life just that much more successful than it is today. It's find your lucky tribe, surround yourself with the most upbeat people you can find. Find people that make your life light up, your face light up, that smile on your face light up, and then measure luck, track luck, attract luck. And remember, when you read it, do it, believe it, it will change your life. Hey, this is Carl coming again from Z-Surf Media today with my edition of 
you can fly just visualize i will see you next week have a great one and if you want to find out more about me you can catch me on facebook carl kapuska go surf dog builder or go surf dog and you could always reach me at 808-855-8437 and you can always email me at carl at zsurfmedia.com until then you have a great one bye now